Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we're going to discuss this idea of excellence and how do we live a life with excellence? How do we live with excellence being a value in our lives? So today very simply is called Living with Excellence. Once again, if you are new to our podcast, thank you for joining us. Welcome. As far as possible, we do this every single week, and the purpose is just to grab a cup of coffee, tea, hot chocolate, whatever it is, and spend 15, 20 minutes together just talking about something or anything that can help us be more like Jesus. I know many people listen to this in the car, and so if you're driving, please drive safely. If you're exercising, go for it. Get those those points that you need. Uh, So subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you are on, uh, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, and let's dive into today's session. To, to set this up, I want to read two passages. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Paul here is saying, I love how you're excellent in everything. Make sure you are excellent in absolutely everything. Then in the book of Daniel, chapter 6 verse 3, in the King James Version, we read this. Then, Daniel, th- then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel set himself apart by being excellent, having an excellent spirit. Not just doing things well, but having the value of excellence. And I love that it says he went above princes and presidents. The king saw him as above everything. And what this says is that excellence sets us apart. It honors God and inspires people. You know, excellence is not just something we can have in certain parts of our lives. Paul says we should be excellent in everything. And what what it does is, is that, again, it honors God and inspires people. God loves those who pursue excellence. However, sometimes we can get confused between what excellence is and what it isn't. If we have the wrong concept of excellence, then we can miss what this is as a value. So today, in the moment we have left, I want to just talk about what excellence is and what it isn't and how we can live with excellence. Number one, excellence is faithfulness. It is not perfection. It is not perfection. What is perfection? Perfection is when something is without flaw, when it is as good as it will ever be. Perfection then signals an endpoint, a finish line, a goal line. And once we've achieved perfection, there's no way for you to improve on that thing or task. In other words, perfection is a level or standard, a finish line beyond which there is no room for more growth or improvement. Once we reach it, we have nowhere else to go and nowhere to improve. The thing is, though, if we are obsessed with perfection, often we are the one who have defined what that perfection is. Perfection is not an objective thing. It is a subjective thing. Meaning it is different depending on who you are and who you talk to. A good example of this is the perfect steak. What kind of steak is perfect for you? Uh, I like mine very, 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 very rare. I like it to be at the point where, as my dad says, a good vet could still pull it through. You know, and 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 for Cher, when she sees my steak on the on the plate, she kind of she can't fathom it because she likes hers to be without any blood. She she's not too not not too well done, but she doesn't like it nearly as rare as me. That in other words, what's perfect for me is decidedly not perfect for Cheryl. And so you see what I'm saying? We decide where the line is, we decide what perfection looks like. There is a problem with that. 
And, and here's the two reasons where this can get us into trouble. If our idea of perfection is too far out of reach, then we can become depressed at never reaching it. If, however, it's too close to us, if perfection is too low of a standard, we can become arrogant at having reached it and we can become lazy because now there's nowhere else for us to grow. Perfection that is subjective can either lead us to become depressed or arrogant, can either burn us out or make us lazy. That's what the pursuit of perfection that we have defined will cause. However, faithfulness asks, what can be done today with what is in front of me? Another great phrase is, what can I do with what's in my hands? Faithfulness is what is rewarded in the parable of the talents. Think about that parable for a moment. The man who received five talents, he didn't have a goal of reaching 10. He didn't say, if I can make 10 talents, that would be perfect. He just worked with what he had and created five more talents. Faithfulness looks at the few fish and loaves, which we spoke about recently, and asks, who can we feed with this? Faithfulness isn't obsessed with an end goal, but it's focused on using what we have and taking the next step. Faithfulness isn't operating under the burden of a standard out there that we have to reach. It's motivated by the understanding that today I can do the best I can with what I have. If this is what God saw fit to provide for me today, then I'm going to go to bed tonight knowing I did the best possible with what God gave me at the start. So what's in front of you right now? What's in your hands for today? What talent is there? What time do you have before you today? What people has God entrusted you with? What situations are you dealing with? If we are, are, are hoping people will become perfect, then we're going to place these unfair burdens on them. But, but if we are just helping people to be faithful, we can help them take their next step. So number one, excellence is faithfulness, not perfection. Number two, excellence is movement, not maintenance. It's movement, not maintenance. The reason I say this is because if we have decided something is good enough or perhaps perfect, then we can settle into maintenance mode where we are committed to keeping something at a specific point because in our heads, it's as good as it's ever going to be. Maintenance by its very nature calls for keeping things as they are because we have decided there's no room for improvement. There's no room for innovation. Excellence is more about moving, movement. It always asks the simple question, can this be better? It doesn't ask, is this perfect? It asks, can this get better? Can we innovate? Can we keep moving in our direction of intention? Excellence doesn't settle for an end product. It keeps innovating. And excellence asks a couple of questions. Uh, what should we be doing? What should we stop doing? And what should we change? What should we keep doing? What should we stop doing? And what should we change? In other words, an excellent spirit, the spirit that was on Daniel, is a spirit committed to constant tinkering. An excellent spirit is a spirit committed to constant, incessant tinkering. Where in your life have you settled? Where in your life have you decided it's as good as it's ever going to be? Where in your life have you decided, hey, there's no room for improvement? Perhaps it's your your relationship with Jesus. Perhaps it's, a, it's your, how you handle your finances, how you treat your children, how you relate to your spouse. Where have you settled? Because an excellent spirit is committed to tinkering. Number three, excellence is born out of conviction, not comparison. This for me is probably 
oh man, one of the most important things for any disciple to understand, the, the danger of comparison. We are excellent because we have a conviction of what God is calling us to, not because we are comparing ourselves with others. If we are pursuing an excellent idea or even perfection out of comparison, then we will always move towards exhaustion because there will always, 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 always be someone who has more, is doing more, seems to be doing better than we are, looks better than we do. Comparison is dangerous because very few people share their battles on social media. They only share their victories, but almost never their defeats. So comparison is often us holding up our struggles against other people's victories. It's, it's us holding up our battles, the, the battlefields against other people's victory parade. However, if we have a conviction about something, when God has spoken and we move according to that word, we pursue excellence, not because of what anyone else is doing, but because of what God is saying. Excellence, is motiv excellence motivated by what we see in others is not as powerful or effective as excellence motivated by what we hear God is saying. Now, please don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean we can't learn from others. This doesn't mean testimony isn't a powerful tool for excellence. However, lessons and testimonies can hurt us when we don't ground them and frame them by our convictions. If we only look at them by through the lens of comparison, another person's testimony of God's goodness can, can hurt us. And th this comes out so interestingly in the relationship between Israel and their kings. God had made provision for kings in the Torah. It's not like God didn't understand the, the, the kind of leadership his people would need in the future. God understood the nature of humanity and leadership. However, the people didn't ask God for a king because they wanted to serve him or because they wanted to be a better, better witness to the world. They wanted a king because they compared themselves to the world around them. And so Saul was exactly what the people wanted a king. Uh, they exactly what they wanted in a king. They wanted a king comparable to the other kings in the world. What they needed was a shepherd. Everyone else overlooked. They needed a, a shepherd, musician, lion killer. They needed David, but because their comparison filled them, they lived under an insecure leader for far too long. So excellence is born out of conviction, not comparison. And so uh, number four, excellence lifts others up. It doesn't push people down. Excellence lifts. It never pushes. If we're operating out of a perfection mindset, then we see other people through the lens of our idea of perfection. We hold ourselves and others accountable to this idea of perfect. Remember, excellence asks, how can we move? How can we take a step? How can we do that what's in front of us? Excellent asks, what can I do today with what's in front of me? When we operate from a place of perfection, we judge people based on what we want and what we are capable of. We push people to operate according to what's in our hands. I want you to think about perfection being the finish line and you're at your starting line and you know you can get from your starting line to the finish line in eight steps. And so what, th then what we do is we think that that is perfect. Getting from A to B in eight steps is the perfect standard and the perfect method. However, what we need to realize is that not everyone is starting the journey at the same place we are because of um, previous things that may have happened to them because of their upbringing, whatever it is, they may not be starting at the same place we are. They may have a different place in life. Equally, they may be starting with different resources than we started with. In order for us to take eight steps to get to our finish line, we used certain resources. Some people in our world have, different, have access to different resources, either more or less. 
And so if we say to everyone, you have to get from your starting point to this idea of perfection in eight steps, what we're doing is we are completely missing the idea that God has given everyone else a different starting point and everyone has different resources at their disposal. Instead of stepping into their journey, instead of stepping into their race, what we do is we judge them from our race. There might be people who are worse off than you, starting further behind you. And so to, to challenge them to finish their journey in eight steps, what you're doing is you're placing an unbearable burden on them. Equally, some people may have had a better start to their life than you, and they might be starting closer to the finish line than you. And so if you say to them, you have to do it in eight steps, what you're doing is you're hindering them, you're, you're limiting them. And so either way, what you do when you burden or limit people, you, 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 you push them down. Excellence, however, asks, hey, what's your next step? I know you might not be starting where I'm starting, but where can you go? What can you do? A good friend to Cheryl and I, Murray Kilgour, our coach, often says, if someone can do something at 80% as good as you, let it go. Don't hold them accountable to your idea of perfection. Let it go. Last thoughts is excellence believes the best. It doesn't assume the worst. When we operate from the wrong idea, from perfection, we can often assume the worst about people. Hey, you didn't do that thing. You didn't do it as well as I was hoped. And so what we can do is we can, we can assume the worst. We can write people off because they aren't meeting our expectations, our standards. We can write people off who think differently to us, who do things in a different way that isn't our way. We might think the best way to get from A to B is a straight line. And then what happens is we judge artists who, who take an entirely different approach to the journey between A and B. We can believe that when people don't meet the mark we set for them, they are lazy or they don't honor us or whatever it is. But excellence, remember, is motivated by movement and that they, they want, they, it wants to see the best for the other person. It wants to believe the best. And so this question is, is how, do I, how do I understand where that other person is? Instead of me assuming the worst, how can I understand where they are? And the moment we start stepping into their story, stepping into their lane, it becomes a lot easier for us to believe the best instead of assuming the worst. And that's what excellence does. Excellence steps into another person's story. Just as Jesus became incarnate in our world, we step in and we become incarnated in their journey. And then with them, we can then ask the question, what's your next step? Then we can hold one another accountable because we've decided together. But to stand at a distance, at arm's length, and judge another person by our standards, that's hypocrisy. And then we are more in line with the Pharisees than we are with the incarnate Jesus. So very briefly, what does a life with excellence look like? Well, a life with excellence looks like faithfulness, not perfection. A life of, faith, a life of excellence looks like movement, not maintenance. It looks like living from conviction, not comparison. It lifts others up, it doesn't push them down, and it believes the best, it doesn't assume the worst. Well, I hope this has encouraged you, and I hope that you would begin to step into a life of excellence, a life of faithfulness, movement, innovation, excitement, and I pray that we would not hold other people to a standard that we can't even meet. I hope this has encouraged you, and I hope to see you again next week. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless. Have a great time, and we will see you in our next Coffee with Jesus episode.